0: Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round pick, Don Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino. I really NFL draft. And with the first round pick. John Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put my no layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good you young players with the transfer back. You're in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Procyfus running back, tackle, quarterback. the draft. There has been a trade. Ricky Williams, On a shady Sunday. Welcome back to
1: the draft. Defensive line. Welcome back to the draft, everyone. We'll officially kick off Cowboys draft season here on About Them Cowboys. I know we've talked draft in the past. We've had Dane on. We talked draft just about every episode since the season ended, if not before that. But uh, we've got a mock draft up on the Athletic right now. We're going to dive into that and so much more Cowboys talk here on About Them Cowboys on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent Garrison in the uh, Lauren Michaels chair for this episode. And I'm excited to welcome back to the pod. It's been forever one of our featured players, and I'm excited that he's back because this this recording actually fell not on a S.T.A.R.S. game day, and I was very excited the possibility to bring back Saad Youssef. Hey, buddy. It is so good to be
2: back home, and it Man. is so good to see you all. When I
1: saw your name pop up on with the John Machoda article, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun and good. It's good to see you, of course, writing about the S.T.A.R.S. You're killing it, but uh, it's good to have you on back on the pod, as always, and... Well, welcome back, as always, as well, the Bash Brothers of the Dallas Cowboys. Coverage here at The Athletic. It's Kevin KT Turner and Father John Mishoda. Boys, a lot has happened since last week. Uh, you know, that trade kind of shook up things at pick 10, KT. I guess we can start there.
3: Yeah, what a wild one. The Bash Brothers are here ready to thrash. Thanks for having us. Ready to knuckle puck. Yeah, so, the you know, the 49ers jump up to three, um, and then the Eagles, who were at six now, you know, they're, oh, they're, they're in front of the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys are in front of a couple of their uh, division rivals, and the Eagles are at 12 now, and the uh, Giants are still at 11. And then the Dolphins, of course, moved up to six. So a little bit of moving and shaking, but you're know, still sitting at 10. You know, if you want to go uh, do look up a ton of mock drafts, you can easily do that at the Athletic. Um, and we're going to get into John and Sod's uh, exercise, which is very interesting, and I really uh, enjoyed reading this article. But pretty much almost every way you slice it, you'll see people coming up with nine offensive players and one defensive player. And I think Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, kind of having a back issue, which is going to push him out of the top ten, has cleared things up quite a bit. It does really feel like we're going to have – nine offensive players and one defensive player in the top 10. And I guess that could change, but it's that's what it kind of looks like. So um, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun where we're at. But before we go and, and get into you know your guys' exercise, I would like to see what you guys thought about that trade, what San Francisco might be looking for, what the Eagles might be doing since they're in our division moving back to 12. Uh, we'll start with you, John. What was your kind of overall reaction to the big draft shakeup?
4: Um. When when it happened, I was kind of surprised that it, it happened this far away from when the actual draft were still a month away. That kind of stood out to me. And then really within the next, I don't know, hour or so up until us recording this pod, the talk of San Francisco doing that for Mac Jones, that just really had me scratching my head. So I think that's what stands out most. Um, when I look at in the division, I think about and well, as you mentioned, we'll get into. Uh, the mock drafts that sod and I just did, but just as a little teaser here. So when I went on the clock and with my first pick at 10, Kyle Pitts is still there from Florida, the tight end. And tight end is certainly not the Cowboys' biggest need. It's probably not one of their top five biggest needs. But there's a part of me that sits there and goes, well, if you don't take Kyle Pitts, who could certainly fit into the offense, you can make a guy like that work. Kyle Pitts is, is going to be in your division. Cause he's going either next to the giants or he's going after that to the Eagles. Like I find it very hard to believe that this guy is falling out of the division. So I, I also factored that in, in my mind too, where I was like, you know, you got these other division teams right behind you right now. Like I, I don't think that the, that means you need to draft a wide receiver. If Devonte Smith is there or something, but Kyle Pitts is an interesting guy. If he was to fall, I don't think he will, you know I mean? I mean, this is just how this mock draft simulation fell, but uh, that's one thing that stood out to me is just where their position is and it's going to have a little bit of an impact on uh, on their division because they're drafting right behind them
2: yeah and I think also like the the trade the fact that the 49ers went up to three obviously I, I don't think you make that kind of trade you know if you're not going up for a quarterback now you know one person who i really rely heavily on for my draft intake is is Dane Brugler because I think he's one of the best if not the best in the business and his gut reaction i, I think i remember him saying, that right when that trade went down, that he was thinking Trey Lance. But the interesting twist in all this is the fact that Kyle Shanahan attended one quarterback's pro day, and that quarterback was Mac Jones. Now it, it's interesting because a lot of, like my my belief before the trade was let those top four quarterbacks Lawrence Wilson, Lance, and Fields go in the top nine, and then at number ten let New England come trade up and get Mac Jones at number ten. Like that's. That's kind of what I was thinking. If you don't want to pick at 10, that's what you could do. Now, if Mac Jones goes at number number three, though, if that happens, again, it opens up a lot more possibilities for the Cowboys because you're still probably going to have your other four quarterbacks go. So that makes five quarterbacks in the top nine, possibly. And that makes for a really interesting just play. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about what kind of defenders are going to fall to them. Quick trivia for you guys. Do you know in the last 15 years uh, who the – The latest a defender was picked in the draft.
3: Okay, I like this.
2: Uh, I'm going to say six. Okay, John? I'll go eight. It was six. Do you know who it was? It was, oh God, you said 15 years? In the last 15 years. Was it Morris Claiborne? It was Morris Claiborne. That's the Holy latest. Holy cow, really? Yeah, and 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 that's the second latest that any defenders ever dropped. The latest a defender's ever dropped was uh, number seven, Champ Bailey, in 99. Um, but the point is, like, the top defender doesn't often drop all the way down to number 10. That's, you know, and, and, and it might actually happen this year. Like, you know, there might be maybe Micah Parsons goes high. Maybe something go- like that happens. But there's a very decent chance that I agree with John. I, I just can't picture Kyle Pitts falling to number 10. And if he doesn't, the Cowboys might have their choice of whoever they think is the top defender on the board. And that's really exciting.
4: So for me, when I get to 10, one of the things, okay, so I'm factored in four quarterbacks and I feel confident at at least one, if not two, maybe even three of those receivers. And so Right there you got we're gonna ballpark it at like five, six guys right there. I am more I am less likely to trade this year than any other years, or at least any of the recent years. And the reason why I say that is because I have a little bit of a gap after my top guys, and I think the Cowboys at ten can get one of these guys. I do not think they can get it at fifteen if they were to trade back with the Patriots. And so when I say that, I mean Kyle Pitts, who we all pretty much agree will be gone, but still then that moves another player down. Uh, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Patrick Sertan. After that, there's I, I don't put like, you know, Micah Parsons or JC Horn right there. And I'm not sitting here saying I pour over the tape like Dane does or Daniel Jeremiah or any of these other guys. But I watch some and I, and I watch enough college football, know who these guys are. But my biggest thing is I read what these other experts are saying about these guys. And I feel like if they move back to 15, they're going to miss out on one of these guys. And And the other part of it is, How many times has a team been involved to trade with the Patriots that you walked away saying, oh man, that other team got the best of the Patriots. So let's not act like they're going to trade back to 15 and then they're going to get this haul where you're like, well, that was really worth it. No, they're going to barely get whatever's worth 15 and then they're going to move back there and they're not going to get a player as good as those four guys I just mentioned.
2: I agree. And I also don't think, I think, you know, I wrote about this when, when we did the mock draft, I think. The gap from Patrick Sertain to J.C. Horn is is wider than some people like to think. Like I know they're like the top two corners. It's just Patrick Sertain is 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 worth not trading back. I think I I was just saying like you know it could be interesting if Mac Jones was still available and and depending on how you have your draft board. But I agree. I, I I don't think J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain are interchangeable pieces at all. And then the guy, the two teams drafting behind
4: you now being in the division are another, is another reason why I don't really want to move back this year. I right. do not want to move back off of a player that goes at 11 or goes at 12 and he ends up being a player that i got to deal with the next 5, 10 years, and I, I could have had that guy on my team. I'm not doing that.
3: I mean, it would depend what I was getting back in return, too, though. You know, if it was a big jump sure. up, uh, if it was you know, how far back am I going. But 15 is the number kind of threw out because – uh, you know, New England's and could be in a quarterback. You, what I think people haven't been talking about enough, too, in that, this situation, the Chargers at 13, one of their biggest needs is going to be cornerback. The Chargers at 13 could get a cornerback. Minnesota at 14, we know Mike Zimmer always interested in taking a cornerback. Arizona at 16, even could use a cornerback. That's one of their needs. So like you start getting dangerous if you're you know if you're wanting a quarterback. The thing I'd say there though, I I personally think, uh, and I I would actually bet this on Vegas if we were if you know at Vegas if we were doing like a gambling exercise or whatever. Uh, at ten, I personally don't think Kyle Pitts or Patrick Sertan will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But but you know there's a lot of moving and shaking that could happen. What Atlanta? Do you think does one of the for, tackles will be there?
4: I do think one of the tackles will be see, there. See, I see. I don't. I think they're both going. Okay. And here, and forget it. Well, I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait till we got got into our. No, Alar- this is fun. Our, <laughs> Let's play <our, laughs> this out. Let's play this out. Hold on. Hold, out, guys. hold on. Hold on. I got to burn on this real quick because I did some research on this. Uh, Sod and I both have Alaric Jackson going to the Cowboys in the later rounds. Okay, I'm big on if you think you need an offensive tackle, you're gonna have to do it early. And check this out. So I went back and I looked at the top 20 highest paid offensive tackles in the NFL right now. Top 20 highest paid. Only six didn't go in the first round, and three of those went in the second round. So it's other one- than David, so other than David Bakhtiari, and Orlando Taran- Brown, no, Taryn Armstead uh, went in the third. Bakhtiari went in the fourth, and then and then those are the top twenty-one. Sorry, top twenty-one highest paid. All the rest are all all first-round picks. Late at night, top ten. Uh, he's he did not make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys that are not on the highest paid, but, but were also I went and looked back at the last four all-pro teams and looked at all the offensive tackles that made that. A Ryan Ramchak from the Saints, and he isn't in the highest paid yet because he's about to get paid. Yeah. First-round pick. And the other one would have been Mitchell Schwartz, who was with the Chiefs. Second-round pick. So it, there's a lot of – you can find diamonds in the rough at a lot of positions. But if you're trying to find Tyron Smith's replacement for the next 10 years – you're going to have to do it at 10. you You're not the, the chances of you finding it in the second, third round, you got a way better chance of finding Connor William or Chaz Green than you do of finding that next offensive tackle. So that's the only reason why I'm bringing that up, that I do see both those offensive tackles going in the top 10, because I, d- I do believe the league values that position so much, and I believe there's enough of a gap between those two guys and the rest of the offensive tackles. So I I have those two being gone.
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, if you look at a team that has that has been all over the offensive line, obviously with Tom Brady in New England, remember Nate Solder went in the first round. They took Nate Solder. They took Isaiah Wynn a few years ago in the first round. So when you look at teams that do value and build around the offensive line, you're absolutely right. The tackles do go high.
3: Well, what what happens with Atlanta at four is going to be very interesting. I don't think Atlanta would trade with Carolina. I could be wrong. Maybe they would. But I don't think Atlanta would trade with Carolina. Will Atlanta take a quarterback? Do they feel like they need to take a quarterback? Impossible to know. Cincinnati at five, we know that they need offensive line help, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they took a Kyle
2: Pitts or if they took a Jamar Chase or Smith Dude. or Waddle,
3: however you want to rank those top three wide receivers.
2: Dude, like, if they, if they, if if after they saw what happened to Joe Burrow last year and if they don't take Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell, they are out of. I, I, I'm sorry. Like I, like I, Joe Burrow got abused last year, and then it ended really
1: badly. So I don't know. Putting putting Jamar Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow too would be yeah, quite nice. T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, me. like that's yeah, a, no AJ Green.
4: There. You you, you yeah. get your, you get that Jamar, connection. Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts still intrigue me, and I agree with you, Sad. Like it, it, it would be foolish to pass on those offensive tackles, but you could sell me on on. Chaser Pitts there because of the connection with Joe Burrow, and then just because Pitts the freak show.
3: It's it's very fun to map it out. Miami, we know they probably want a playmaker. You probably you know you get that feeling, but who knows? You know, Chris Greer could be on to anyone. How Seven. did
1: how did Kyle Pitts fall fall past Miami uh, in your mock draft, uh, John? You know because that's yeah. that's the spot where I'm like, mm-hmm. listen, if if they're definitely not taking a quarterback, which which probably not, you know, I, I think you know they. Uh, Sando was talking the other day on uh, the GM Pod about how you know Tua might be the biggest winner of this whole thing, <laughs> like because it, it's like it's clear they're probably not taking a quarterback um, if they out I think out they took spot. a tackle in mine.
4: I'm, I'm not sure. I think they might have taken. Okay. I think they might have taken Sewell or Slater. But like
1: yeah, so if you're Tua, you're either getting a badass offensive tackle or Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Devonte Smith, you know, or something like right. that. So so to me, that Miami spot is like. I don't know. I, I still see I see Kyle Pitts as the best player on the board at that point. And if he gets past there, then uh, that'll that'll surprise me.
3: And who knows what Detroit's doing at seven? I mean, we got a new GM in there, a new head coach, like a yeah. whole new thing there. I, I would assume they're going to try to replenish a pass-catching target for Jared Goff after Galladay's gone. It would just but be so
4: funny if, the, if Pitts was there because they literally took Ebron when they had a top-ten pick. They literally took TJ Hawkinson when they just had a top-ten pick. They literally just hired a coach who was a tight end yeah. and then to take Pitts there. And but I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't hate it. Like I honestly for the Lions, I would I want them to take Kyle Pitts because I want them to put TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts out there and I want them to run the football and I want them to, to go two tight ends all day long and then have that. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll take one of those wide receivers. I mean, they just lost Kenny Galladay. One of those receivers is going to be there for them, whether it be Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. I, I, I would be really surprised if they didn't, but he also can't rule out offensive tackle with them either.
3: Yeah, it's funny. The conversation about Pitts that I've got, when well, I'll dangle it out there, like, for instance, back to housekeeping though, you know, John on his mock draft, first round has Kyle Pitts on sod's end, Patrick Sertan, right? But whenever I dangle out the idea of putting Kyle Pitts or the Cowboys drafting Kyle Pitts on Twitter, I just get a bunch of almost angry people.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and I've I'm kind of like,
3: and I'm like, whoa. Uh, and they're like, well, what is a first round tight end ever? Because, like, we got to stop calling Kyle Pitts a tight end. Like, a yeah. first round tight end. Don't compare him to tight ends. Don't compare him to any wide receivers. This man is his own thing. Like, he, he is, he's so different. Like, so, like, comparing how first round tight ends worked in the past, I'm not really interested in that. Um, it should, that's it not is, it Kyle is. Kyle is like, they
1: do college players, and it's like offensive athlete.
4: It is is interesting, though, when you do see what happened with Eric E. Brown, when you do see what happened with guys like O.J. Howard, and then you see guys like Kittle and Kelsey that don't go high in the draft. It it does speak a little bit to – it's almost like I can see Kyle Pitts being successful with any team, any of the 32. I can see him being successful.
0: But I can see him being
4: so much more successful – with the right team, a team that is going to use yeah. him the right way in a variety of ways, you know what I'm saying? Like where I can see him going to some other teams where he's just like, he's a really good starter, and he had like he gets like eight or nine touchdowns, or he goes to a really great situation, and he's like 15 touchdowns, and he is Kelsey, and he is Kittle, and Gronkowski, and stuff like that. But I, I will say, I-, I, do, I do hear what the fans are saying. There are a lot of tight ends that go in the first round that maybe they don't get the Kyle Pitts hype, but there's always this last ten years been a lot of hype around tight ends. Really, you can go back to when Belichick did the Gronkowski, Ern Hernandez thing. Like, there's a lot of love for tight ends. I feel like in every draft, there's always one that everybody loves. And it, the batting average isn't great.
3: Let's go to the second round here, John. On yours, with the Cowboys at pick 44, you have them taking Elijah Molden, the cornerback out of Washington. Uh, for Saad on yours, you have them taking at 44. Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon. We'll start with you, John. Uh, your thought process on uh, Elijah Molden, right there.
4: Well, it was tough because Richie Grant was still there, and just from my conversations with Dane, I, I just I think Richie Grant would be fantastic for this team. Mm-hmm. I'm still not quite sold that they are committed to going safety at 44. Obviously, that would be quite the change in philosophy from a team that just because of how little they valued the safety position. But Richie Grant was really tempting. Um, and I just kind of looked at it as, I feel like they can get a good corner at 44. My issue is though, the best ones that I saw available, at least, and again, I'm not sitting here breaking down all the tape, but it was Elijah Molden and it was Asante Samuel. And both of them are, are smaller guys. Elijah Molden's probably more of a inside corner. And if you're sitting there at 44, you'd be hoping to get another Trayvon Diggs that can play on the opposite side of Diggs on the outside. Now Molden might be able to do that, but he's probably best suited on the inside. I just think that you need corners and unless you work some kind of trade back up in to the late second round with your two thirds, if you don't do it at ten or forty four, I think it I think there's a pretty big drop off at corner after that.
1: Yeah, what do you think about the what do you think about this little hypothetical Jerry scenario that I could see totally happening here? They uh they stick they stay in at ten. They pick best player available on their board. You know, however it falls, I think they'll be happy with any of five guys that fall to them. Um, and then you uh you do the old second round Jerry special and uh, Caleb Farley that mother and uh, oh I'm oh I'm fine with that completely and, and on board uh, with that. Yeah, you you get you get Rashawn Slater and Caleb Farley. Yeah or you yeah get yeah. Micah Parsons and Caleb Farley with uh, those two picks. And no, i I'm, I can I totally com- see that happening. I'm just saying. He,
4: Yeah, I I think the tough part there would be Farley falling that far. But I just think that I understand what everyone will criticize it because of how many injury issues they've had in the second round. Obviously, most notables being, you know, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. uh, And then, even though other, you know, some off the field concerns with guys like Randy Gregory, who fell to the late second round that year, 2015. But, um, yeah, if Farley's there. I would have, I would have taken that. I mean, there's concerns with him having the, you know, the back issue, not playing last year. But I think at 44, that's that's a gamble worth taking.
3: I would like that, depending on who the first pick was, right? Because I, I love Farley before the back thing. Farley was my top graded corner. I liked him more than Sertan. I liked this tape more than Sertan. I think he moves better than Sertan. Um, but the back stuff, I'm not messing with. If they took a linebacker and did that, I would not be on board with that because you're. You're risking almost a double value. Obviously, we'll find out more about Farley's back to maybe to maybe we feel better about him, you know. But for now, I'm just kind of writing him off as a, a not sure. Uh, so if we're sitting we, here
4: after but, 44 and and they went Parsons and Caleb Farley, out of their first two picks, what grade are you giving them?
3: I just wouldn't like them taking a linebacker at 10. I would okay, hate. Okay, but that. what?
4: Give me a give me a grade. You know, a way too early grade if they if that's who they came away with in their first two picks. <laughs>
3: Well, they came away with two of the best talents in the draft I would though. So Here uh, hear KC
4: actually
1: be pissed about that. I don't know. I
4: was either. just gonna say, like, if you go any lower than a B plus, you're a liar.
3: Well, I don't need another linebacker who doesn't like like know where to fill in on the run. Well, that, like, and that, that's I have also, one. His name's Jalen. Hey, you need a tight
1: end?
3: Oh, hell yeah, we need a tight end. No, um <laughs> I think I, I I think I'd feel way better about it if it was like OT. You take the tackle then I'm like – because I know I'm going to get something out of this offensive lineman.
2: That's also um, – that, that Parsons-Farley hypothetical is also very 2016-ish, right? Because you, you think you think uh, taking a running back at four is a little too high. You think taking linebacker at 10 is a little too high. Then you have the injury linebacker. Here you have the injury corner. It's a very it, – it sounds very much like 2016.
3: I, I, I'm not – the Parsons thing is very strange because he's a freak athlete. He's incredible. He covers well. He runs and hits. What do you? What's he going to do here if we have Vanderesh and Jalen? And I understand we're not drafting the guy for one year. I mean, that's my argument about Kyle Pitts. I'm like, I'm drafting this guy for five years and then hopefully more. But what I'd say about Parsons is there are other questions about Parsons. And whatever anyone wants to say about the Cowboys, and I know it's weird because we've been away from the locker room over the last year, but there has been defensive tension over the last two years that well before even the coaching change happened, just little things like who's the leader, and little things just like what's happening inside. There's been problems, and Parsons has Okay, hold, has on, hold p- on, hold Parsons on, hold on, hold on. Some
4: questions. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you care about that if the defense is good. <laughs> like literally everybody, when it's a bad defense, you're like, oh, you don't want to. Oh, you don't want to be a...
2: Bye. So that's See, that's yeah. something like, that was like it's not really a good funny defense. Who cares? That's something that was really yeah. funny to me when people were like, oh, we're losing Cheeto and Xavier. I'm like, yeah, bye. They were part of the worst defense in in. In recent history, like <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's nobody
4: over there other than Demarcus Lawrence. Where I'm just like, yeah, you can't afford to lose him. Name the uh, name the other guy, no.
1: Trevon Diggs. If I'm, I'm drafted, uh, okay, I give you Diggs too. Yeah, That's if good. I'm
3: drafted Parsons, then Jalen Smith
4: doesn't play.
1: Well, well, is everyone I, okay I, with I, that? We're well, well, good.
4: Judging judging by all the podcasts I've done with you, I'm sure you'd be really heartbroken by that outcome. Is
3: Jerry okay with that? Yeah. Is Dan Quinn, okay? like that's, that's my, that's they my, they would have to time. be,
4: or they wouldn't take him that. I mean, I don't even yeah. think Parsons will go at 10. I'm just trying to give you a hypothetical of something I know you wouldn't yeah. love, but in the grand scheme, you couldn't absolutely hate.
3: Oh, Parsons could go number five. He could go oh, not to Cincinnati. He could go six. He could go 15. Like he could my ideal scenario.
1: Yeah. My ideal is a Penny or a, a, Sh- a Slater and then a Caleb Farley with that second pick. But I um, think they love know. that. Yeah, I think they, they would love to that. Love that. I oh, think,
3: yeah,
4: yeah. No, that
1: would be great. Yeah.
3: Like, would they have Slater or Sewell, either one, graded over Sertan or both?
4: I could see that's that. The, that's the question. I could see I that could being see, yeah. a real possibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the way this team, you know, values the offensive line. And you can say, well, there's new coaches in here than when they did it before. But a lot of those decision makers like Jerry and Steven and Will McClay, those guys are still there. And... They obviously value that offensive line. They obviously invested significantly more than they ever have in any other player in the history of the franchise at quarterback who's coming off an injury. Like I can see where they would be like, Hey, let's, if this guy's here, let's get it. And then also going back to my point earlier, they obviously know to get like a Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith type player. You're probably gonna have to do it at 10. You're not going to get them at 44. You know, obviously they lucked out getting Lyle Collins the way that that whole thing went down. (laughs) That's just not going to happen like that. You can't bank on getting a, uh, a player like that of that talent as an undrafted guy. That's just not going to happen. So if they have serious concerns about Tyron playing more than another year or two, I, there, I don't think there's any doubt that one of those offensive tackles will be higher on their board um, than higher, higher on their board than Sertan. But will both of those offensive tackles be higher than Pitts? Well, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Well. I don't think Pitts will be there. I, I don't think I think we could stop. I don't know. I just don't. I'm just don't no, no, no. That. I'm
4: just talking about their board,
1: though. Ken. Yeah, like I if, think like their like board to Pitts will be together. higher, but I just don't see that. <laughs> like oh that, no, but I'm, just I'm,
4: so, but I'm saying. I'm so. saying right, but I'm just saying like I wouldn't be completely blown away if their board accidentally got a picture taken of it and t- and posted on Twitter, <laughs> like has happened. I don't know before That's with never uh, happened. Wait, what teams does that? Ha- <laughs> only the Cowboys. So, like, if something like that happens, <laughs> then. I would not be that shocked if, if they had the offensive tackles higher high, higher than even Pitts.
3: I bet uh, it's Sewell, Pitts, Slater, or like something like I, Yeah. And then sort of it's close.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy.
3: What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
1: One question about the this second round pick, though, KT, Before huh? we we go on, yeah, is Farley worth? Let's say. They don't know if they're going to get him, but they really want him. Is he worth, is it worth throwing a six in there and, and, you know, maybe a DeMarcus Lawrence situation, you jump up and you get, you get him. Um, You know, where, where's, where's the line, I guess, where, where you would be comfortable jumping up and grabbing Caleb Farley?
3: Yeah, no, if I, if I feel good about his back, obviously.
1: If you, if you, yeah, your, your, your doctors are, feel good that it might be like a red shirt half season kind of thing this year, but long-term he'll be fine.
3: So combining forty-four and seventy-five will get you into the twenties, probably the mid-twenties. Combining forty-four and pick ninety-nine will get you into the mid-thirties, and I think I would do that. I think if I love the guy, I would do that. And then yeah, what if it, would,
4: what if it's you know, the J- same people telling you that his back's fine that told you that Jalen's knee was fine? Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, let's let's be honest too. I mean, the, the Leighton Vander Esch thing. It's not like we didn't see his injury questions coming from a mile away. We all saw that, and like Van Der Esch this time that year was being talked about in the '40s, like this Jamin Davis guy from Kentucky. And Jamin Davis could play and didn't really have much of an injury history. Like this Jamin Davis guy is going to end up in the top twenty, just like Van Der Esch did. And I think we were all going, we were all going. I don't, yeah!
1: I don't, I don't want to trade up. I don't want so trade confusing up for about Harley. the Jalen thing is. You know, obviously they had some inside information about Jalen's knee and stuff that other teams didn't have. But for them to spend a second round pick on that is what was so confusing. Like I remember, a high, rem- a, a a high, high second, second round, round like round the pick. first, the second pick of that 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 round. I remember brought us us doing the draft show live and him just sitting there in silence for like five minutes, like because this, this was a guy sucked. that's like might not even get drafted and if he does you give him a call and bring him in you know because so many teams are off like i for them to say maybe they they knew something we didn't and like oh there's another team in this round that's going to take him if we don't but like the value of the pick is why he gets roasted there if they had picked jalen up in the fourth round and he played like this i think everyone would be like yeah it's probably he was injury prone and that's kind of cool yeah i think just way overspent on jalen
2: but dude also, Miles Jack was there. That, that yeah. I remember. That was the other thing. Like you could have taken Miles Jack, who was coming off of a normal injury, um, and if you so if you wanted to take an injury linebacker, he was there for you. Yep.
4: Well, the, well, hold on. There's there's a little bit of an issue here with that scenario, though. Um, I don't know that they really love Miles Jack. And here's, I don't know if they well, love Jalen either. <laughs> right. Well, here's one of the biggest issues: is that the guy they really wanted there went two picks before. In Emmanuel Agba, yeah, and and Jalen Smith hasn't been good, but I'll take Jalen Smith over Emmanuel Agba.
3: Yeah, and Kevin Dodd was the other guy they wanted. They also wanted and they, Lynch. Agba and Dodd went one too. And there was, yeah, they wanted Pax. Yeah, of course, and 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 that Connor <laughs> Cook and all these guys. You know, the thing is though, I'll never forget watching the the screen. I know, I know, uh, uh, Ken. I know you saw it as well. Just the panic as they were on the phone trying to make a trade happen. And it's like, uh, ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> ah, yeah. yep. all the way down to the wire. They picked Jalen Smith, and then they fell in love with the story. The right. story's fine. We love right. the story. We can sell the crap out of the story.
1: Absolutely. You know? It's just a the mis-evaluation of, like the, him at
3: 70. of the
1: value of, I, I mean, I got, like I said, maybe they had some information. Another team was going to jump up in there a few picks later and grab him. And they're like, we have to do this now yeah. if, if we want Jalen but I just think you could have gotten him in, later in that draft and, and we wouldn't be in this situation uh, with, you know, maybe overpaying or overcommitting to Jalen uh, long term. But, but you know, going back to the linebacker thing, I think it is, it goes back to Sean Lee and, and it's it's carried over to, to Leighton here. They just need reliability at that position, you know, like as good as, as Leighton is, as good as Sean Lee was, they couldn't stay on the field, you know. So, I mean, they just need somebody that they can trust for the next five seven, eight years uh, here to, to be the, the real centerpiece of that defensive, uh, not, not line, but, you know, I guess making the calls on that defense, uh, wearing the sticker, if you will.
3: So in the second round, John had Elijah Molden from Washington. Uh, Let's go over to Sod's pick again, Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon. Uh, He set 2020 out. What what are your thoughts on uh, Javon Holland, Sod?
2: Yeah, I, Look, I I, watch, I remember watching him and being impressed with him in 2019. And I watched some of his tape last week, uh, just when I was preparing to do this mock draft as well. Uh, look, I was in the same. I was in the same boat as as John with Richie Grant there, and John and I also both just you know respect the hell out of Dane. And Dane has said such good things about Richie Grant, so I was very torn. And then John and I also did this independently, so I was very jealous that John got Javon Holland in the third. We'll get there, <laughs> but but like for me, when I looked at the the three guys that they signed in free agency, I'm like, okay, I think I don't want to say Richie Grant is those guys, and all those guys are on one year deals, so they're not long term solutions anyways. But I just felt like Javon Holland, like I I feel like Richie Grant would be a great pick, but I like you have Donovan Wilson there and, and I think Richie Grant does have versatility play everywhere. Javon Holland, more, more of that free safety type. Um, and so I I like him for, to do that. Also, when you're comparing John and I's pick here, I think one important thing to realize again, is that I took certain in the first, in the first round, John didn't take a corner in the first round. So I think, you know, I am not going to speak for him, but, but you know, Elijah Molden there makes a lot more sense when you take Kyle Pitts in the first, um, instead of a corner. So I, I, you know, like I, I, you could convince me either way, and for damn sure, if you told me Javon Holland would be there in the third, I would take Richie Grant. But, uh, but for me, I, 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 don't see Javon Holland really making it to the third, and so that's why I took him in the second.
3: I, I'm with you. I feel like there's a couple things there. I think Richie Grant, I think Richie Grant and Merrig, the the safety from TCU, are so far like there's a big gap. So like I don't really see Richie Grant making it to 44, to be honest. But you know, obviously, there's shocking things happen every year. But the thing about Holland, five interceptions in 2018, four interceptions in 2019, showed that he can get his hands on the ball. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's kind of somewhere in that hole. I, I have him like if we're comparatively, uh, comparatively to a couple of years ago, I remember we were kind of talking safety. Taylor Rapp was a name from Washington, and Juan Thornhill was a name, obviously at Kansas City he took him. It really feels like it was it was Juan Thornhill or Tristan Hill uh, that the Cowboys were going to end up with. And I, and I still would have Thornhill graded higher than Javon, uh, Javon Holland. But I like Holland, and I think that's fine. And that's where we go to round three, where John has uh, Javon Holland at 75. And the difference, I think, in those picks are, you know, kind of what you said there, side a real high five if you get Javon Holland at 75 in, in round three. Where yeah, and no, I don't. If you take I, him, you kind of go, okay,
4: you yeah. know. Yeah, and I don't think that he'll be there in the third round. The only the only reason it even made it seem somewhat f- far, far from reality, but somewhat realistic, I guess, is the fact that, like you just mentioned, with Thornhill and, and Taylor Rapp and those guys falling, nobody would have ever projected that uh, a couple years ago. I mean, those those guys were all supposed to go somewhere at the back end of the first, early second, and they were all still there for the Cowboys they're late in the second. So maybe it happens, but I I think he's probably gone. And so what are you looking at there? Uh, You know, like I took Pitts, and then I went with Molden. So I already addressed corner. I would think in the third round there, if you already addressed corner with one of your first two picks, you're probably looking at either safety, defensive tackle, or a defensive end. I think that that there probably is some still some decent value there. I didn't personally love any of the defensive ends that were there. Like, or the defensive tackles. Like I like the ones that I got with my next couple picks, but I didn't love them at 75. You know, like I'm talking about like Rashad Weaver. Like I don't love him at 75. I like him a little bit later in the draft, but uh, I think that could be a sweet spot there where they could take probably a defensive lineman. Um, And they could possibly take a defensive lineman that a lot of fans aren't that happy about. It might not be a guy that is a name that many are familiar with. Maybe that's, you know, somebody that they personally like as, as a staff. I don't know. There wasn't anybody that really was just screaming to me other than Holland that was still there in the mock draft that I did.
3: Yeah, well, going to Sod's pick, though, in round three at 75, while you're talking defensive line, Tommy Togiai from Ohio State. Um, you know, that that's a guy, and by the way, McCarthy was out at, you know, um, Ohio State's Pro Day. He kind of listed through, okay, what players could he have been watching? And one of the first guys that came to my mind was Tommy Togiai. I was like, yeah, that would make sense. That would be one of the guys they would love because that's a run-stopping
4: dude. You don't think that the two pro days Mike's been to that have been on TV, he wasn't there to see Justin Fields and Mac Jones? Just think think if Dak's deal is not done and he's at those, those pro days, that's what people are talking about.
3: I actually think he was just going to look out for his buddy Tom Pelissero. Okay. Seems That's like a shot. But catch okay. up. It's not a shot. They're, they're friends. They're time in okay. Green Bay.
4: It's no, but I, but I was joking with the quarterback thing. The, the other key part with both of those visits to Ohio State and Alabama is that standing right next to him during those was Dan Quinn. You know,
3: Hell so. yeah. Uh, Baron Browning, the linebacker. Pete Warner, the linebacker. Ohio State. There's there's names. Um, so, Saad, your thought process there. Tommy I round three. I, I really like that pick.
2: Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. If you guys remember this, I know John probably John probably will. I don't know if we talked about it on a, on a podcast last year. My pet cat was Julian Blackman. Uh, I really love Julian Blackman, and that was the guy. And like you know, I, I think when you pick a pet cat in a draft, like you can't be one of those top prospects because obviously. Um, but for me, it was Julian Blackman last year. This is my guy this year. I, and 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 you know, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on it more than my own because I know how good I feel about him. I don't know if there's any big school bias here, because obviously I've seen basically every snap he's almost. I, I've probably seen 80 to 90 percent of the snaps he's played in college, just because it's Ohio State and you watch all those games. But um, I think he's he's a disruptor. I think you know uh, he he's great against. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. Um, he he creates a lot of disruption. Um, you know, obviously, he, he, the fact that he's in the third round, I'm not saying he's going to come and beat Aaron Donald, but at the same time, I think he's going to be someone who, you know, we saw last year with Neville Gallimore come in and show flashes. I just think he'll show those kind of flashes, but just way more consistently. I, I think he's a, he's a good player that, uh, that I mean, it, it's more about also how you use him. And Mike McCarthy... Uh, and this was right after Mike McCarthy had his little press conference and said, "Hey, you know, we're not. Don't read into three, four. We're not. We're not trying to fit the scheme to the player. All that stuff. If you use him in the with the in the right technique and the right gaps and everything like that, you can really take advantage of what he has to offer."
4: I would say yeah. my biggest takeaway in defensive tackle, and it kind of ties in with those pro day things there. Um, when we were talking about trading up for Caleb Farley, and I wasn't that interested in it. I would be interested in them trading up. Not a lot, but a few spots. I'm not giving up both my threes, but trading up a little bit if Christian Barrymore was to fall from uh, Alabama. Uh, I know some people have him going, you know, I don't know, like mid mid to late first round, but if he started to slip and they wanted to move up to get him, I don't know. I just like the way he finished that season for Alabama. Oh, my God, yeah. And I find it hard to believe that Dan Quinn and... Mike McCarthy were at Alabama's pro day only for Patrick Sertan. There's plenty of defensive players on their roster that they were that they were watching. If he was a guy to slip, um, I would be interested in that.
3: Well, with Leighton Vander Esch's fifth year option, they're gonna have a decision that they have to make there. With um, you know what we know about Jalen, like Dylan Moses is a linebacker at Alabama who's been hurt and like one year of like him maybe getting minimal playing time, but kind of getting his health all the way up. So you're talking 75
4: or or later?
3: I I would do it there, yeah. 75 is probably the spot. I wouldn't do it in the second round. And, you know, it's probably not there at 75. But, you know, I could make make an argument, and it'd probably be a bad argument, but I could make an argument for taking Christian Barrymore at 10. I mean, that's the definition of a guy who... And they just thought it was going to happen earlier at Alabama. It right. happened until the second half of the season. But that's the definition of a guy who's got like that Quentin Williams upside or whatever you want to say. Like, dude, that guy, if he puts together a full year at Alabama of really good football, like its second half of his season, then you're going, holy cow, that guy's a top 15 pick. And he's just right. got enough bad games at the first of his season. You're going, okay, I don't know. I mean, I'd be surprised if he gets out of the top 20. But I'm with you. And, and this is a, this is what's fun about that pick that Sod had the Cowboys taking a defensive tackle, mainly mainly a one-tech defensive tackle is kind of what he is. Not that it really, you know, they're going to move him around. But, like, we've talked about them taking a safety and a big, bigger defensive tackle, things they haven't done in the past. And it's like, well, it's finally time to do it. So now you guys have to prove that you will finally do it. And it's it's kind of a fun storyline. Well, I'm trying
4: to come out of this thing with Patrick Sertan and Christian Barrymore. Like, I'm trying to get... (laughs) These, both these Alabama guys together. That's how you fix a defense. Yeah,
2: and Trayvon Diggs there already. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: I'm trading future picks to get Waddle and Devontae Smith. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do it all. Uh, John, we go to your comp three here. This is uh, number 99, all right? Um, and this is Aleem McNeil, the DT from North Carolina State, 326. I will tell you, John, how much I love this pick. I've got a second round grade on Aleem McNeil. There are guys who are 330 pounds in this world. None of them move like he does. He yeah. is a freak. So I love your pick there.
4: Yeah, I, I liked him just because of the defensive tackles over there. One of the nice things about this draft network, and I'm I'm sure all the other mock draft simulators like this, but like <laughs> I don't know about how you did it, side, but like there are some picks here. Where I was like, no way would I even have qualified for NFL in terms of time I took. Like, I'm like looking up all the stuff, like, yeah. I think some of these picks, I bet you I took, like like I literally with this pick right here, it's funny you say about him being a freak. So like I included in my article this like Bruce Feldman's college, I love reading this every year. He does his college football freaks list. He's got like fifty to a hundred guys that like all like do stuff athletically that' are off the charts, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, yeah, McNeil's on here, okay. Next thing you know, a half hour, forty-five minutes goes by, and I'm reading the entire article. I'm just thinking, like, if I was in a, in a, in a draft room at the time, Maschodie, you got the pick. I don't, I don't know why you're reading this Feldman article. We got to make a pick here, okay? I'm like, no, this is pretty cool. Look at this guy can do cartwheels. He's got thirty-two inch vertical, squatted six forty. This seems interesting, like, but, but obviously, uh, it just McNeil. I wanted, a, I want tackle detackle. Uh, they need de-tackle help. I don't know that he's a guy that comes in right away and just blows your doors off, but it just seemed like the measurables were there. Seemed like a good value at the time. I probably lean more towards filling positions than best player available after 10. Just that's, I don't know. That's just kind of how I was when I, when I did this draft.
2: I, I kind of leaned that way after the second round as well, where, you know, at, at this point I'm starting to go need and, you know, to your pick on that, KT, I'm sure like, you know, I, I had Ali McNeil as well, but I had him with my next pick. So you know, the way John got Javon Holland a pick a round later, I got Aleem McNeil as well in round four. And everything you guys said is absolutely right. I, you know, to hear KT who I know is just, you know, a draft nut of all, of all draft nuts to have, for you to have Ali McNeil as a round two guy, like that makes me feel really good about getting him in the fourth round.
3: So he ran and look, I know some drills at the, well, there is no combine this year. This is, uh, earlier, like before his pro day and all this stuff, but he has run a 4.27 short shuttle in the past, all right? That would be faster than Bradley Chubb and Montez Sweat, these big edge-rushing guys who've gone in the first round of the last few years. Like, he is so quick, and, you know, if they were having a combine, he would blow it up and all that. You know, I haven't seen, because it's North Carolina State, I haven't seen if they've, uh, oh, what the situation is with their pro day. I'm sure they've already had it. And I feel like I would know more about it, but I'm not sure yet. But the, the guy's that, that big. The, the way he moves is incredible. And, you know, the thing is, too, sometimes I feel like he may not be as, like, disruptive at all, at all times. But, like, you can see where he's, like, trying to get, like, pass rush moves going. And I just think – I feel like I'll take this guy's athleticism and speed and agility and his power – and I'll, I'll take all that, and if we can just continue to mold that, I think we've got something. I, I would I would be surprised if he makes it to the third round. Now, I might like him more than most, though. I'll admit that. Um, Sod, your comp three at 99. Jordan Smith, defensive end from UAB. I like that you're going to get a pass rusher.
2: Yeah, and this is – I'll admit, a lot of my picks are, are, you know, guys that I've seen a lot of. And, and when I say I watch – tape or film i'm not talking dane brugler or you know kt type film breakdown i'm talking like game game film you know like i'm not i'm not going to the uh to the x's and o's type stuff but i did not see a lot of jordan smith uh i I will admit that but i've read a lot about him and uh and and really like what i've kind of just seen in the highlights but you know that's every player you're supposed to like what you see in the highlights, but um, yeah, I mean you know at this point, like I like I said, after the second round, um, I'm starting to shift more towards needs, um, and you know the fact that I got already got corner with my I got certain, I got safety, I got D tackle with 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 uh, with Tommy Togi, and and so now I'm looking at okay, Alden Smith still up in the air, Randy Gregory, we you know you hope that he becomes more than just a situational pass rusher. But you know, you just don't know. So I, I was really, you know, cornered in on taking an edge guy here, and and Jordan Smith was one of the top guys. I pulled, a, I pulled a Machota here for sure, though. Where you know, I was reading up on a lot of those top guys that were available, and I just like what what I saw from Jordan. Well, like uh, it, UAB
3: film is hard to find, so right. it's not like there's <laughs> a lot of it out there.
4: Hey, I just found the stuff on the on the pro day for McNeil. Uh, they All had right. it on Tuesday. And he he checked in at six one and 7'8, So basically six two, three hundred and seventeen pounds. Uh, he ran a four nine four forty. He had a thirty and a half inch vertical. Filthy. Um, and he did twenty seven reps at two twenty five. So
3: yeah. He he's a monster. Freak. He he's a monster. He's just gotta put it together and like a lot of those guys. It, it sounds sounds stupid, but it's like okay, like it's the, like snap of the football, putting all your body parts together. It's just all that type of stuff. It just takes coaching. Oh, what's that? Dan Quinn is seen as one of the best defensive line coaches in the league. Oh, great! No, I got it. That's Aline McNeil would be so great here, uh, and that's who we have in the fourth round. Um, for on John's actually, we've moved on. That's who John took it in three. John, you're going defensive end. You're going Rashad Weaver, Pittsburgh at one fifteen in the fourth round.
4: Yeah, this is uh, this is another one of those. I, my first mock draft I did, um, I made I made picks, and then I talked to Dane, and then did an article off of like his kind of grading of it. And he was super high on Weaver, and and even in his most recent rankings, he has Weaver pretty high. I don't know what he has exactly. I'll have to look it up in a second. But yeah, he uh, had him
3: in his top 100, though, right?
4: He definitely had him in his top 100. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's probably not a guy that you know he doesn't have like the you know, Randy Gregory freak measurables or anything like that. But he's just a real solid, productive edge, you know, rusher. And, you know, like Basham, like, I mean, that's for a year, you know. Randy Gregory, only under contract for another year. Dorrance Armstrong, only for another year. So, I mean, unless the coaching staff has just had this, like, they've just been blown away over the last few months by what they've seen from Bradley and I because, like, people on the outside can sit there and like so, after they signed Basham, I was talking about like how these other top four edge rushers, and I didn't have a nine in there. And like people on Twitter are criticizing me over this. I'm like, guys, I really, I'm, I'm just telling you what the team. Did you watch him last year? How many times was a nine not even one of on the active roster during these games? Like, like if they thought he was scratching the surface, he'd be at least active. So until I see them believe in him and put him in there and start seeing him work in there it's hard for me to believe that he's going to be part of that, like four man rotation that they like to run, you know? So if, if he emerges and they like him, Hey, that great, that's a great, you know, grab for them last year in the draft. But until I see that I'm going in this draft, looking to get not just one edge rusher, I'd like to get multiple edge rushers in, in, in here because it's such a valuable position and they don't have a lot of great depth there. Cause me, frankly, if I was betting right now, I don't have Alden Smith on this team in 2021. So. Yeah.
2: And also on that, you know, John. To your point, I think what fans sometimes get lost in is when a guy doesn't play. The last they know of him is all the draft hype. So, like right. with Bradley and I, uh, same thing with the corner I'm blanking on. Um, that, Reggie that, Robinson. That, yeah, it's like you know, we're all after the draft talking about how great of a pick that was, and he's not even fi- seeing the field. And all you're thinking about, not not you guys, but like all some people are thinking about is, oh, we have hyped him up so much in the draft, so he must be all this. Well, maybe he is, maybe he's not, but if the coaching staff doesn't believe in him, then you have to at some point progress your view of him to, hey, really good draft pick to, hey, coaches don't even believe in this guy. And I agree with John. That's how Bradley and I is, at least for now, coming off as. Right.
4: And he's got a new coaching staff, obviously with Dan Quinn. He's a D-line guru. That's probably going to help him out. Dan Quinn. Pry wouldn't have moved Reggie Robinson to safety during training camp. I mean, he likes the longer, bigger corners. I think that a move back to corner makes a lot of sense for Reggie Robinson under Dan Quinn. So, yeah, there's new coaches there. And maybe the the previous coaches didn't use Bradley and I correctly. But those previous coaches are also the people that drafted Bradley and I. So they had to like him to a certain extent to take him in the fifth round. So I'm just saying, until I see more reps with, you know, the ones and twos, him working in there... then I, I just can't believe that they're, that they're all in on him. Now, I will say it'll speak volumes about what they think of Bradley and I. If you don't see them drafting a D-end anywhere in the first you know four rounds, then maybe they feel like they do have somebody there. Um, but it's like I kind of feel like we know what they have in Basham. We know what they have in Dorrance Armstrong. We know what they have with Randy Gregory and, and Demarcus Lawrence. So I feel like they need to add some other pieces there. It's just such an important position.
3: Um, so we we'll go to Sod you at four. You at Ali McNeil at one fifteen in round four. Uh, we'll we'll keep it at Sods on this one. Your second fourth round pick at one thirty eight. Kerry Vincent Jr., the cornerback from LSU.
2: Yeah, you know at, at this point, at, at this point, a lot of times when you're picking guys, there's a reason they fall in here, and and so you know with Kerry Vincent Jr., like I think he's a he's a player that you can develop into something. He I, I think he needs uh some uh, some time and coaching for sure but he's also a type of player there's two things that kind of went into my thought process here one he's the kind of player that gambles a lot and those kind of players it, it can be very hit or miss and and you know i wrote this in the in the article um and, and by the way tangent um john mentioned that that article that he did with Dame brugler I know we have a lot of draft content on the Athletic right now. Go read that one because that one was really good. It was a few weeks ago. That one was really good and specific. But um, to Kerry Vincent Jr., look, I, I wrote about, I wrote this in, in our in our piece of the Athletic. You know, so I get some Asante Samuel vibes, not Junior Senior. Um, I get some vibes where like you know now Asante Samuel panned out because he he learned how to control his gambling and things like that a little bit more, but. Trust me, I grew up like watching the Patriots every single game, and you know the interceptions. Yeah, he had like ten a year or something like that for a while, but he got toasted a few times as well. And you know that's kind of how I see Kerry Vincent Jr. And another, I'm kind of going on the lore of LSU. You know, it's DBU. Um, a lot of good defensive backs come from there. Kind of counting a little bit on that, and the fact that if I already got Sertain, and you already have Trayvon Diggs. And then you know you get you have your other guys you you still have Jordan Lewis Anthony Brown he'll have time to develop and so I think it's a good value pick.
3: No, I, I agree, and you know, it's kind of what John did too. Round four, pick one thirty eight. He went with Ambry Thomas, the cornerback from Michigan.
4: Yeah, same same exact thing. I just did that because of the fact that I feel like they need another corner uh, just out of out of depth just for training camp. That the, I could see them getting two corners out of this draft not unlike 2017 when they went Cheeto second round, Jordan Lewis third. Now, Hey, they obviously re-signed Jordan Lewis. They must like, like him enough to do get that deal done. Anthony Brown's still under contract. They obviously like Trayvon Diggs. So there's, you know, Maurice Canada is there, Rashard Robinson, they have bodies, but with them having 10 draft picks, that's where I'm kind of like, I could see them kicking the tires on somebody that they might look at as, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a project, maybe somebody that, um, you know, there's some upside there and, and maybe they can get something out of, but I don't know that necessarily I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hooked on the name as much as the fact of just the position. Like, don't be surprised if they come out of this draft with two corners.
3: No, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the fifth round. We'll stay on yours, John, Florida state here, Joshua Kando, the uh, defensive end from Florida state uh, in round five, an interesting name because he was hyped up uh, a ton uh in I mean, his size is incredible. He's just never able to put it together at Florida State for whatever reason.
4: Yeah, so I obviously watch more Florida State than any other team, and it's and it's not even close. And so Josh Kando is a guy, just to give you a little background, six seven. he comes out of high school, 5-star. Like, the only DN that was ranked as a higher prospect than him was Chase Young. I mean, Josh Kando, higher than Caleb on Chase on, Quiddy Pay, all these guys that are going to draft it, you know, Caleb on and obviously a high first round pick last year. Quiddy Pay might be the first DN to go out of this draft class. Kando's numbers got worse the longer he was there. And so I'm going to make an excuse for him. Okay. Florida state's football program in the last three years has been an absolute shit show. Okay. He was, he was recruited under Jimbo Fisher. So he has to play for Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo leaves. Then he has to play for Willie Taggart. Then he has to play for uh, Mike Norvell. So it's like, it's hard for me to find for anybody to to find a lot of stability there. You're you're not only changing head coaches, you're running different systems. I'm not sitting here saying, you're saying J- Josh Kando is going to come in get the, get the Cowboys ten sacks or anything like that, but he does have measurables and things that would be like to me. If I'm going to kick the tires on somebody later in the draft, he's got some of the upside stuff that I would be like, hey, if it doesn't work out, what did I really invest? You know, this this might be a good thing.
2: Now, uh, real quick on John's pick, I I, I love that mentality and I, I and I like that. I like that uh, that kind of evaluation because you'll hear a lot of the same you know uh, thought process from me later on uh, when we get to seventh round. But I, I agree that's that sometimes you just draft on potential.
3: Uh, Side so going to your fifth round pick, um, you go uh, with number uh, one seventy nine overall, Jonathan Cooper, defensive end, Ohio State.
2: I I don't know that he's gonna be here. Um, I you know I don't think that he's you know uh, uh, fantastic or anything. But round five, I I feel that's a little late for Cooper. But hey, I mean look, he was there in my simulator. Um, I th- I think he's a he, he's a good player. Again, same thing that I, the, the the tricky part here with Cooper and, and this happens is you know like when I was talking about Tommy Togiai, it's like was it because he was playing along with Tommy Togiai and and i believe more in tommy than i do in jonathan cooper so with that that's where i'm a little hesitant on like is he playing off of him um, and how does that how does that change when you're playing against bigger freak athletes in the nfl but i still think jonathan cooper has potential i still think he's a good player um, and you know watched a lot of him obviously cuz he was at ohio state so i like it i'm a little hesitant just because i don't i don't know how how much he he can do on his own but you know i guess that, that's kind
3: of why he's here in the fifth round. Yeah, sol- a very solid player. And I think I, just a little the athleticism is where you kind of go, okay, right. that's why he, he would be available there. But, you know, you're either looking for production or traits at this point in the draft. And we go back to John's mock. We go to their first pick in round six at 192. Isaiah McDuffie, the linebacker from Boston College. I actually love this pick, John. I think this is a great guy. He wouldn't play much. Uh, In your one, but this is a great guy to like play the Keanu Neal role next year after Keanu Neal's one year with the Cowboys is up. I actually love grooming him into that.
4: Yeah, he's a guy that, again, like you go off of the over the last probably month or so, Dane's been putting out a like top 10, top 12 at every position. And at this point in the draft, almost all of those guys are gone. But this was by far and away the best linebacker that was available. If you go off that, he has them ranked as his 12th best linebacker in this class. So really productive guy, maybe helps on special teams, but uh, you know, again, I don't know if don't stay like hooked on the name as much as just like, they're going to draft a linebacker at some point in in this draft. Not, not just for special teams reasons, but also you look at just where this team's at at linebacker. They need to, they need to get young. I I wouldn't rule out them taking a linebacker in like, you know, third, fourth round uh, like they did, you know, with Damian Wilson and like they did with, Anthony Hitchens. I mean, they certainly need help at linebacker. And I don't see them doing it in the first or second round, but third, fourth, fifth, you know, know—a linebackers in need.
3: Yeah, they need to get young and they need to get fast. Uh, and that helps you right there.
4: I've now, seen a lot of people real quick, Saad, I, and I know you've seen this too, like commenting on the article or on Twitter talking about like, why do they need to do this position? They just signed this guy in free agency all these free agents are like all one-year deals. Like they're not filling any holes. Like they're filling like gaps for like one season, but that's not like, that's not answering anything. Like none of these safeties they've added would, I mean, if there was like just a freak show safety out there, uh, you know, like an Earl Thomas or something like that, they can certainly, you know, would, would be, make a lot of sense to draft this guy. I just, those are nice little holes that they filled with guys that they can, that can play and fill out the roster. But, They haven't done anything in free agency that would make me think, oh, well, that position's off the board now.
3: Yeah, no, they're just band-aiding everything, you know? Right. Um, Round six, 192 for Saad, one of the best names in the draft, Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech.
2: Yeah. Diablo. (laughs) A a lot of the same reasoning as John, uh, and and especially John's second point there, kind of like, you know, uh, exactly what I'm thinking, is that, you know, for me, this is a special teams pick. Like, I think he's a good special teams player, and also, when you look at the depth, I mean, you get all these safeties that they sign in free agency are all one-year contracts. They're all they—they they might all, if not most, be gone after after next year. So you know, you, you the safeties that you're drafting in the second, third, fourth round, you're hoping they pan out as starters and things like that. But at this point, look—if you get a CJ Goodwin type player here, where you know he becomes like a special team staple. And you you don't really want him to play defense, but hey, if he develops into something, all the all the better. But um, I think I think he has a chance to become a a Jeff Heath ish type player, maybe. But um, yeah. but I'm more looking at look. You signed three safeties to one year contracts. It's good just to have something going into uh, you know minicamp in 2022.
3: Six, your second pick in the sixth round. You guys each picked a Lark Jackson, the offensive tackle from Iowa, who's a. It's a good. It's a very good developmental name. I mean, he's got length and the size you want. Uh, he just hasn't put it all together. But that's a good pick. And then you guys had a little fun in the seventh round. John with quarterback Ian Book from Notre Dame, and Saad took the very famous Marco Wilson from Florida, known as the man who threw the shoe. Um. But Marco Wilson had an incredible pro day today at Ford. I mean, he's wowed everyone with his, with his numbers. He's the younger brother of Quincy Wilson, who was taken a few years ago and really didn't do very well in the league uh, in a short time. But I thought you guys did really well in the seventh round, having a little fun doing some bits here.
4: So uh, with the la- second sixth round pick with Alaric Jackson real quick, oh, yeah. like I said earlier, you're not going to get probably a-, a good starting offensive tackle in the sixth or seventh round. But when I did that research, I found one guy, one guy taken in the seventh round that was amongst the top 25 highest paid offensive tackles. And he's been a starter for the last six seasons in Chicago, a gentleman by the name of Charles Leno. So if they oh, were able man. to find something like that Nevada. in in this in, in the late sixth round, that would be quite the steal. But like I said, the if you go back and look at uh, these teams and who are their starting offensive tackles, you're generally finding him in the first, and if not the first, it's in the second round. So, uh, probably not going to be a guy that ends up replacing Tyron Smith. But it just seems like for that position, it seemed like it'd be worth it that late in the draft. In terms of Ian Book in the seventh, uh, you know, I mean, he's Notre Dame's all-time winningest quarterback, very game manager type. You know, I mean, he's a winner, won 30 games at Notre Dame, um, doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, just like a really like solid. Not going to wow you anything about his film or anything at all, but. I mean, this is a guy who threw 72 touchdowns, only 20 interceptions, and also ran for 17 scores. I mean, just very game manager-like. And I think Dane had him as his, mm, let's see, 12th quarterback overall. I will say, uh, in all honesty, about fourth or fifth round, uh, right before Kellen Mond came off the board, I did consider taking Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. I do think there's a chance that he could be a, a solid you know, maybe back up. They can maybe spot start maybe in the NFL. He he is that prototypical. I will say this. The other thing about Kellen Mond, going back to my <laughs> my Florida State expertise here, don't sleep on quarterbacks that play for Jimbo Fisher because he had a run there where he got Jamarcus Russell when he was at LSU taken in the first round, EJ Manuel in the first round, Jameis Winston in the first round, Christian Ponder in the first round. None of these guys panned out. <laughs> I was going to
2: say. <laughs>
4: None of these guys panned out. But the system that Jimbo runs seems to be intriguing for these, these coaches that seem to like what he has to offer. Because watching Florida State as much as I did, I never would have taken Christian Ponder in the first round. I never would have taken E.J. Manuel in the first round. But obviously the pro style that they run and, and, and obviously things that the way Kellen Mond played at Texas a and I think that maybe these coaches look at it as like it's an easier transition as opposed to what some of these spread teams do and things like that. Don't sleep on Kellen Mond going in like the maybe third, fourth round Uh, but yeah, none of those quarterbacks ended up being very good.
2: I I don't know. Maybe that's for red flags a little bit of like, you know, none of them actually panned out, but in the seventh round, like, like, you know, again, like that's, that's where you can take that kind of, that kind of gamble, I guess. I actually, Ian book, not that I was considering taking him, but he went like two or three picks right before my seventh round pick. And that would have been interesting if we, if he would have been there, but I wasn't thinking about that because I was thinking Marco Wilson who, yeah, shoe guy, but also, like you said, KT, had a great pro day. Also, I, do you guys remember his freshman year? Like, I mean, do you remember, like, how like how good he was his freshman year? I mean, I just remember hearing his name back in, like, 2016, 17, whenever that was, uh, when he was a freshman. And uh, and he was, like, one of those guys that was just rising up the college football ranks and everything. And, uh, and then he had an injury, and he just fell off. He fell off the map. And so... um, you know, I think it's one of those things where either that injury has just completely ended his football career or um, also going, going back to uh, going back to what John was saying about the Florida State situation. The Florida situation has also been kind of, you know, uh, up and down on, on defense. And so I think Marco Wilson is, is worth taking a flyer. I actually think he would be – he has a better chance of panning out as a defensive contributor – than even uh, Diablo from Virginia Tech, who I took in the sixth round, so uh, kind of like that. Marco Wilson pick.
3: No, no, I, I do too, and it's gonna. I mean, today, today's pro day alone will move him up to where you probably couldn't get him in the seventh round, right? Um, and that's what this pro day is super important this year, uh, more than ever, just because all you gotta do is wow a few people and it'll bump you up.
4: Um, just because there's it no is, comment. but don't you think the numbers are kind of getting skewed? Oh, yeah, it goes forty times, like, go crazy. Right, and and who yeah. who has had a bad pro day? You know what I'm saying? Like, everything about it has just been super positive, whereas, yeah. like, most of the time, like, yeah, they're going to be positive or whatnot, but you still have something to compare it to with the Combine. And this year, you don't have that, you know? So there, I agree with you, Casey. There's going to be more weight put into it. I just don't know... I don't know, especially like you said, the 40 times. I don't know how much we can really believe in these hand-timed 40 times of these Also,
2: one of the best pro days of all time is Jamarcus Russell. Like, the legendary pro day. So, like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I I
3: care very little about these pro days because, aside from measurements, accurate measurements, things like that. But, like, dude, these 40 times are so insane. (laughs) Uh, But it is is a little eye-opening when someone has a bad 40 time. And you're like, okay, well, how the hell did that happen? Like Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri, who's probably going to go late first round. It's like, okay, I thought it's sounded good. Gregory Rousseau, uh, the Miami defensive lineman.
4: Let me throw out a little theory. I mean, Speaking of stuff like that, uh, might not have a huge impact on the Cowboys, but it's just something I was thinking about. You know, when you're looking at guys like Devonte Smith, who obviously with Alabama, a lot of good players around him, Jalen Waddell, you know, same thing last year. You got, you know, Rugs and and Judy, to me that like and even even like Jamar Chase doesn't play this past year, but what you've seen of him the last time he's playing with Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow, and you're just kind of like, so with all of that combined, it makes Kyle, it, it makes uh it makes Pitt stand out to me even more.
0: Because like who does
4: Florida have that you're sitting there and you're just like, well we'll let Pitts Pitts beat us because we got to worry about this guy and uh, Kyle Trask is fine. But he's yeah. not. He's terrible, yeah. But <laughs> I, I'm just saying, he's going to get drafted. Like, oh, he's yeah, he's
3: gonna, he'll probably get drafted in the top 100. I mean, Cody right. But I'm just, got yeah, drafted. exactly. That's what I'm
4: saying. He's not. He's you know? ter- <laughs> but anyway, but I'm just saying, like, th- that to me makes Pitt stand out even more because you're not I looking agree. at him like, oh, well, he's also got this guy over here. And you just look at the way that he was defended and still made just incredible catches. I don't know. I just. I, I could
3: I could see teams having, like, Waddle ranked but if you put Pitts and then the three wide receivers Chase, Waddle and Smith, I don't see many scenarios how Pitts is not your number your top guy. Because he can literally do it all and you can use him and you know what? He's not an, like a great blocker, but you can ask him to do it and he'll go work his ass off and he'll get it done most of the time. Like yeah. he'll do that for you too. So I, I to me Pitts Maybe that's the Cincinnati sneak pick. I mean, I think they do need to protect Joe Burrow, but maybe Pitts at five is their play. I could see I, them going pass catcher there. It'd be weird. I could see Atlanta taking him at four.
4: I just it's, keep going back to that. If he's there at 10, I just I don't even think the, that, I don't think the Cowboys should even think about it. I think they have to go get him. The one thing that's
3: not happening is they're not taking Mac Jones at three. San Francisco's not doing that.
1: So you don't think so? that so? earlier. I don't think you can completely rule it out.
3: Yeah, I I, I'm not
2: going to
1: rule I it think out. But. Y'all are talking about the top four. I think five quarterbacks go go before. That's go before that, the that's Cowboys. what I'm thinking
2: as well. With with the addition yeah, of Mac Jones well. and what
1: Denver needs, and you got Carolina there and Atlanta. I mean, and the and
4: the and the craziest part about all of this is that we already know at least three of them are going to be busts. Right. <laughs> like, there's no way all five of them hit. There's just no way that happens. Like, even if two hit. Like, to have a Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning is, like, once in every, like, 20 years, you know? Like, the idea of even three of these guys hitting, I don't know. I just, if five quarterbacks go in the top ten, two, at least okay. two will be bust.
3: Walk with me here. I'll be quick. Let's walk. So five, five quarterbacks, and then four alleged Cowboys targets. Five quarterbacks, Sewell, Slater, Sertan, and Pitts are all gone. Yeah. What are you
4: doing at 10? I'm taking a wide receiver. No. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Parsons.
3: And you can't trade back.
4: Okay. Oh,
3: God. They, what, what I, I, that do? was
4: my
2: answer.
4: Kent might be like, right. They, they
3: might take Parsons. They,
4: I mean. Bit, if, if, par- but, but you already <sighs> said that we can't trade back. So we're doing a hypothetical here that's not even really oh, yeah. realistic. But if we can't trade back, oh, I'm taking Jamar Chase. Well, is it? Crazy? I absolutely am. If, if you're telling me I'm stuck in that position, I'm taking the best player that's still there. If you tell me okay. I can't trade back, can't do anything, I'm taking the best player that's there. I think it's Jamar Chase. Michael Gallup's gone in, in, in another year. We can get out of the Mari Cooper contract if we absolutely have to. I don't want to do this, but if you're telling me that I'm absolutely stuck there, I'm not reaching for somebody that I'm like, meh, maybe he'll be a solid starter. I'm going to get a guy that's probably going to be a Pro Bowl wide receiver.
3: I think they would take Parsons or J.C. Horn, but I, I love this. That's fine. I love this.
1: Well, because, what Cowboys Nation I mean, do I, if they I, took a receiver there again? Yeah, they'd flip <laughs> oh, out. That's God. Fine. I mean,
2: yeah, but but again, John's <laughs> John's point forget. there John's point there is very valid the fact that that you know, Gallup one of Gallup or Cooper probably won't be here after next year. Um so like if you extend Gallup, then you can get out of the Cooper deal or you can, you know, ride the Cooper deal and and, and you lose Gallup um, and get that ever so sought after comp pick. But um but I, I, I don't know. Like I think, the the way that I kind of or can you? I don't know. But but the way that I, I see it, if you can't trade back, then you have to take best player available. If that's Jamar Chase on the board, then then you take Jamar Chase. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I definitely don't think J.C. Horn is someone you take at number ten. I'll, I'll say that. I agree. I think
3: it's a. I think it's a reach. I like Horn. I think he's a really good player. I just yeah. I think fifteen to twenty five is the range there. You know and. You know, maybe he gets snatched up a little early. That's, that's just me. Parsons' athleticism would, is just incredible. But, there, dude, the, there are, the off-the-field questions aren't like, like, it's not like crazy. It's just like, we've had enough questions on defense, and I'm not sure I want to bring him into that. Unless I know for a fact I'm not picking up Layton's fifth-year option. And I think with the salary cap going up, I would probably lean towards picking up his fifth-year option to protect myself in case he has like a great year and you want to keep him around. But I don't know, maybe if you've written him off as an injury risk, then maybe you don't pick up his fifth year option. And then we're looking at linebacker and defensive end next year and next year's draft. So you're, you know, there's, there's, that's, well, that's wait, a fun thing. S- I, I, I doubt wait, it happens on. like that, but it's fun to think about it.
4: Hold on. What did you say we'll be looking at next year? Linebackers and defensive ends? Yeah. And they'll, and they'll still take a back seat to, uh, offensive tackle if tyron smith can't stay healthy this year and ends up having to retire you can't i mean i mean these last five or six years you have to seriously consider that as a possibility and if they don't address it this year if like the right guy doesn't follow them at 10 and they end up going defense like they probably will then at some point you're going to have to address left tackle and i find it very hard to believe that they're going to be like well no we'll find a guy in the third or fourth round they're going to do it in the first round
2: they're going to have to we've already seen it what we saw it all last year we saw it in Atlanta um, three years ago. It's just you have to have that left tackle, and and I agree. If if, if Tyron can't go, then you can't be rolling out um, undrafted guys out of Texas Tech to to just you know um, to fill those gaps. You just can't do that. They're like Knight, you're gonna get eight games. Terrence,
4: you're gonna get eight. Actually, no, Terrence, you're gonna get six. Brandon. Oh wait, we we're going to we hey we're going to a seventeen game schedule here. We're, better, we're gonna hey we're gonna have to mix in this swing tackle somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah. No, they'll have to draft an offensive tackle in the first. Oh
3: round. crap! Zach Morton's hurt again. Guy, McGovern's got to
2: play a ton. Uh, oh, that would be so bad. That would be so bad. Dude, but that that I know we're not talking about this today, but I'm just saying that would be interesting if you have McGovern playing right guard. If you have Connor Williams there. If Tyron, some nabs of Tyron, and you go to Zach and say, "Hey, just make the permanent switch, go over to left tackle for for, for good," and you have Lyle at right tackle, and you go Zach Martin, Connor Williams, and uh, and uh, God, why am I blanking on center? They just, Beattish, yeah, Beatish, badass. Um, you have him, and then you have Connor McGovern and Lyle Collins. I don't know that that could work.
4: What if, what if uh,
2: McCarthy doesn't think it's a video game anymore? So,
4: but what if, what if behind the scenes, (laughs) what if behind the scenes, Zach Martin is like, yeah, I think me moving to right tackle is what kind of messed up my calf last year.
2: Yeah. John, why'd you have possible. to say
3: that, man? Why'd you have to say
4: that? Well, I'm just saying he's been healthy every other year when he hasn't moved out there. And I was all for and still am all for. I think that's your best bet right there. If you don't have Tyron Smith, your best bet is him at right tackle and Lyla over at left. But I'm just saying, I mean, who knows? I just right. he's never had these injury issues in the past and then he all of a sudden missed all his time. So I'm just
2: Yeah. Putting it out there. Saying, that that's for another day.
4: Yep.
3: Uh, all right, we've uh, we've done some really good damage here. This is a great. We Pierce really Spencer. have. I'm proud go, of this episode. <laughs> you go check it out. John and Saad, their uh, seven round mocks are up at the Athletic, and they'll have more stuff coming. Of course, Saad Yusuf is also your Dallas star. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Before we get out of here, guys, oh, little little weekend note. Yes, sir. Who you got in the uh, Godzilla versus Kong bets, John? Who you got? Uh, when are they squaring off? Oh, they're they're squaring <laughs> off this weekend on HBO Max. Come on, get it, get in with the uh, the, with the program right now, right now. Uh,
4: oh, oh, I, oh! I apologize. I was watching college basketball. I thought you were going to ask me like who's going to win the Final Four.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to nah, go. For I'll go with. I'll go with Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. Okay, we got what? one for Godzilla. It's odd. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Godzilla and Gonzaga. There you go. Oh, Phil, fixed in <laughs> that uh, alliteration.
1: I like that. Yeah. <laughs> KT. <laughs>
3: Okay, first, Well, first of all, I'll say this: I do have HBO Max, and I could go watch it tonight. But I feel like it's almost a crime to watch this at home if you don't have a good setup. Right. And trust me, I don't have a good setup. So I will be waiting. I'm fully vaccinated. I gotta wait one more. I gotta wait one more week until the two weeks after the second dose is up, and I will be going to a theater to enjoy Kong vs. Godzilla. And your winner will be the military.
1: Yeah, no one wins. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. You said,
4: you said that, you, you said like, I, oh, I forgot how you worded it. You said like, this is, what did you say? Like, this is depressing or this is, what did you say? That you could watch it on HBO Max, but then you said something after that. But oh, whatever see, you, oh, gone. I said
3: it's a crime. Crime, here. Yeah. How
4: about this? If you think that's a crime, how do you feel about the fact that I literally promise you that I will never watch the movie? Oh, what that sucks, man.
3: What's not to like, man? It's two hours of, do you like heavyweight boxing?
4: If
1: you want to see King Kong versus Godzilla? Uh, if you don't a, want to see long, that? That's a long story. Talk, I, I can't,
4: can't. I can't get. I can't give you a short answer on that boxing. There's this just is a Tyson versus
3: Douglas, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the actual Rumble in the Jungle. <laughs> there
4: you go. What's in it on that? There. So you're saying one of one, of, one of them is going to bite the other's ear? It's possible. Okay, well, like, one can one you promise me that?
3: Yeah. Yes, I can. There will be biting. I just, just don't get it. I
4: don't get into. I don't get into sci-fi. Man, I probably will never watch it. It's not sci-fi.
3: It's sports. You got a oh. fat lizard and a ripped King Kong. It's badass.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just brute I'm g- strength. I'm good. Know. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there it's you go. Two I'm hours bad. of fun. I, I'm I'm with you, KT. I'm I'm a friend of mine rented a theater this weekend, and I'm I'm waiting until then to see it because you got to see yes, it on the big screen. Yes, <laughs> sir. It's the only play.
3: All right, for our guys, uh, Saad Yusuf. For our Father John Machiotta, for our producer Kent Garrison, who will not spoil this movie for me, he promises. I
1: hope.
3: Uh, I'm KT. We'll see you next time on another edition of About the Cowboys. Mike welcome back to the NFL Draft. I've never seen anything like this.